0: LMCC, I love you and I miss you. I really do just love this church. And by that, I mean you, the people that make up this community. And I've been thinking about that because today officially marks one year of us not being able to gather as the full body, not being able to gather here every Sunday all together I've been able to gather weekly in our community groups and eat, eat dinner together to pray over each other. I've been able to gather at retreats and so many other events, not able to do our Easter egg hunt where we get to just bless our neighborhood with a huge party and see Moses in a little bit of a sus situation with his Easter, egg, Easter bunny outfit, all of those things. I miss you. But as I've reflected over this last year... I have just been encouraged that we are so much more than just a people that gather together. That's, God did not intend for us just to become a people that gather, a people that come to one space, but he intended for us to be a people that bless. And when I think about this community, that's what marks you What I've experienced being a part of this community over the last few years and what I've watched over and over is that we are a people that bless. And the pandemic has not hindered that. In many ways, it's highlighted that. And I'm not just talking about us as a church organizationally, even though that's true, that because of your generosity, we've been able at the beginning of the pandemic to bless our partner organizations when COVID hit them and threatened them and threatened their future, we were able to immediately say, how do we support you? When the pandemic of racial injustice came to the forefront and we were faced to confront our own insufficiencies and sin and involvement in that, you responded you joined alongside our brothers and sisters who were crying and weeping for the injustices they saw, and we walked with them, we prayed with them, we proclaimed with them the truth of God. But even on a very personal level, what a gift it's been to just to hear story after story. When you heard of a person who was sick, that you rushed to them with prayer, that you rushed to them to provide so they could have, so they could have food and just not have to worry about anything, but just getting better. And you heard of our members of our church who were facing unemployment. You said, how do we get together to help them so that they can find a new pivot, a new way to do their job, new avenues? How can they not be afraid of what's to come? That is who we are. And it's who we've always been. And what I love about that is that I can say that about this church, Because the reputation of the larger evangelical church is not that. It's not that it is a church that blesses always. But I can say that about our community. And I start that way today because I want to affirm this as a strength that we have because God looks at it and He is pleased with it. But I affirm it as a strength so that when I challenge you today in an area of our weakness, that you can see that just as you were strong there, you can become strong here. And the specific area of weakness in regards to blessing is that we would have a boldness of verbal blessings, that we would become a people that walk into every setting and that we speak and that we pray and that we proclaim the plans and the words of God to every person we meet, to every workplace we enter and that we carry that same spirit of blessing that we've seen into every personal interaction that we have. See, I was reminded of that as we walked through Hebrews 11, because there's a part of Hebrews 11 that most of us just read through and skip over, because it's not as kind of flashy as some of the other stories. I mean, you're talking about Abraham and Sarah, who are able to produce a nation that cannot be numbered from a miraculous birth a David who defeats Goliath just with stones, Gideon who conquers kingdoms. Those are the flashy stories that we zoom in on and we say, that's what I want, these big victorious triumphs. But then there's these three verses that kind of seem out of place for not being so significant. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20 through 22, here's what it says. It says it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future of his sons Jacob and Esau it was by faith that Jacob when he was old and dying blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed and worship as he leaned on his staff it was by faith that Joseph when he was about to die proclaimed God's plans confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt he even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left 3 verses Easy just to read through and go, okay, fine, what's the significance of that? But what we see is that this is a behavior that God wants every person who believes in him to do, to be a people who bless verbally. Because when we tend to hear this idea of blessing, we can look at Isaac blessing his sons and we're like, sure, he just passes on an inheritance, like it's a material gift that he gives to his children, what's the big deal? But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about Isaac proclaiming the future over both of his sons, Jacob and Esau. Simply verbal blessings through the form of prayer that produce a future promise of God. He's speaking to the power of words. And so we can say, okay, well, a blessing is just this wish for their future or good luck to you on your way. And that's not the case. The scriptures say there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And we have talked about the power of words before. But what I want us to see is that our words must be shaped by God's desire for us to be a people who bless with our words. And so then when we go to that and we understand God's blessings, we say, how do you define that? And in this area of verbal blessings, he's saying it is invoking the plans and the words of God into the life of others for their good. That you have the ability and the authority to be able to proclaim God's plans for someone else's life, to speak words of life into them so that they experience God's goodness for their lives. And if we just take a step back to look at our God, it's a moment of worship, to say, we have a God who wants to bless in every way. And we have a God who doesn't want to be quiet about his blessings. He wants to speak them into existence before they happen so that you and I can go, only God can do that. And he wants to use you to do it. Yes, you. If you believe, he wants to use you. To bring his plans and words into the life of everyone you meet. And what I want to remind you today and call you to today as LMCC as a church, but you as a Christian, is that you have the power to bless. You have the power to invoke God's blessings through your words and your prayers into the life of those you love and the life of those you interact everywhere you go, from the streets all the way into your buildings, into your businesses. You can speak life where there is no life. That when you go to someone who's struggling, your words can impart and restore their strength. When you find someone who is despairing and depressed, maybe because of words of death spoken to them and over them, you can counteract that and bring words of life and resurrect in them their soul and their spirit so they can overcome this spirit of death that plagues them. You have that power. And not only do you have that power, when we embrace that as a privilege that we get, is that that must become a primary spiritual practice of everyone who believes. See, Hebrews 11 is just highlighting behavior that every Christian is called to pursue and embody, that the reputation of the church changes because you carry that reputation with you as a Christian. And so you go into every setting and you're thinking, God, how do you want to bless this person? how do you want to bless this workplace? How do you want to speak life into this where there is no life? How do you want to speak peace where there's fear? How do you want to bring your blessings into this setting? And so let me remind you and let me declare to you that first you have the power to bless. And what I mean is that you have the ability and the authority to invoke God's plans and words into the life of others. Now, for some of us, that makes us uncomfortable and we feel like we lack confidence to do it because we either feel unfamiliar with what is God's plans and words anyways, or really me, isn't that for like the professional Christians, like those who become pastors and leaders in the church or those who want to proclaim their prophetic in other people's lives, isn't that for those people? And there are no professionals in the kingdom of God. There are imperfect people filled with the perfect spirit of God carrying his plans wherever he goes. And so as I just call you to that, let's look at this this passage and go, well, who has the ability and authority to bless in this passage? And by authority, like we tend to think that authority comes from position or personal achievement in our earthly understanding. That if someone carries a title, then therefore they have the authority to do something. Or if someone has achieved so much, then their voice matters than others. If the size of their following is so significant, then they should be listened to. If they have success in all of these areas, then they can speak into everything else, right? It's why we somehow think Bill Gates is an expert on everything. We're like, oh, he's got success here. Surely he can tell us about this. I don't get it, but that's what we tend to associate with. But the economy of the kingdom of God is different. See, when we look through this filter that we carry and apply it to the scriptures, it doesn't line up. If we start with personal achievement and we look at Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, those are the three characters. Joseph is the closest that we could get to to have some sort of achievement worthy enough for us to listen to, and yet his life is plagued by imperfections and pitfalls and betrayals and disappointments. And Isaac and Jacob are way worse See, they're used by God to bless others, not because they are even in alignment with God, but because God chooses to use them. Isaac is not aligned with God in the way he lives. He's not even aligned with God in the way he wants to bless Jacob and Esau. He actually uses favoritism and partiality, and he would prefer to bless Esau, not Jacob. But God's desires were always to bless Jacob, first and primary, and then Esau. And so personal achievement is not the basis of our ability and authority to bless. And when it comes to positions, we could say, well, Isaac was the father of Jacob and Esau, and you know, Jacob was the grandfather of Joseph's son, so he had the position to bless them. But how does Joseph have the ability to bless an entire nation of Israel? No one bestowed that authority on him. But Hebrews reminds us, that that is not the basis of our ability to bless. For all three of them, it starts off with the same cadence of the entire chapter. It was by faith that Israel blessed Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob blessed Joseph's sons and was even able to worship. It was by faith that Joseph proclaimed there would be an end of oppression and justice for the people of Israel to come out of Egypt. By faith Because when we place our faith in God, then we trust that our ability and our personal achievement is no longer in us, but it's in Jesus. Because Hebrews 11 and the rest of the book tells us over and over again, their faith and our faith is different because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That when we place our faith in him, our position changes to being in Christ. And so we are children of God, heirs of his kingdom. Carrying a spiritual authority that overwhelms anything we could ever achieve on earth. And then as a position, we have now given, given the ability to do so just like Jesus did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it is sure oh solely by your faith that you are able to speak God's plans and his words into the life of others. And more than anything, before we ever gather back together, which I'm excited about, I want us to realize that one of the things God's trying to do while we are apart is to build in you a personal acceptance and responsibility of your faith. That he has imparted to you a power that you have yet to tap into. An ability and an authority to be able to proclaim things that you've never fathomed. Not because of you, but because of God. And so lift that burden on you having to try to figure everything out or to be perfect all the time. Because I hear from so many people that think, man, I, maybe I messed up and therefore I've, I've ruined God's ability to bless me or I've ruined God's ability to use me to bless others. Well, take heart. Hebrews 11 is this proclamation of broken people with broken lives that are put back together with the power of Jesus Christ. And their ability to receive God's blessings is that they are simply in Jesus by faith. Their ability to do anything for God's name is based upon God's ability to do it through them. And it's not that we were like, okay, well, fine, I don't have to be in line with God and I can just go bless others. It would have been far better if Isaac would have spent his daily life trying to align with God instead of having this moment on his deathbed where he is blessing his children for their future. Jacob's life would have been different. Esau's life would have been different. Isaac's would have been different if he would have spent this life knowing that he had the ability and the authority to bless at every setting. See, these are three stories of men on their deathbed blessing people in their future. But what we see throughout the scriptures is that God doesn't want us to wait for our deathbed. But from today until our death, every single day, we can have this power and ability authority and walk in it with great power and authority. This is a privilege that he's given to the people of God. But because it's a privilege, you and I have to put it into practice. So first on a personal level, if you have yet to spend this time accepting that God's trying to do something in you privately and personally before we publicly gather together, stop and receive from him the healing and the freedom that you need to be able to walk in that authority, to walk in that ability, and find your direct relationship with God to be better than any dependence that you can learn from. Because we've spent too long as Christians depending on the church to do the spiritual work for each of us. We've spent too long as Christians trying to depend on someone else, some pastor or spiritual authority, doing the hard work and then feeding us the truth. When God says, I want a direct relationship with you. So receive that ability and authority by your faith. And then let's each of us on an individual level begin to put into practice this power. When it comes to practicing this power to bless, again, I just want to remind you that this is not a complex, challenging thing for the champions of the faith. It is a basic part of every believer's life, is the ability to bless. And so as I encourage you in that, I just want to remind you of these three easy basics of practicing blessing. Because when we look at how Isaac actually did it, we see a little bit of a model and a template. And what we find in that is that it's by prayer, not persuasion, that it's personal to that person, not projection of what you think, and that it is real truth for their real lives. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 27 because I want you to hear what Jacob's, or Isaac's six blessings over his children sound like. Because one of them sounds great and the other one you're like, that does not sound like a blessing. Why are we describing it like that? But in Genesis chapter 27, verse 28 and 29, we read how Isaac blesses Jacob. And he places his hands on him and he prays this. He says, "'From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth,' May God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. God's going to give you provision, he says. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you have honor, my son. He says, may you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. May you have authority. And may all who curse you be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. So he proclaims this over Jacob. And he is passing on the blessing he has received from Abraham. And so from Abraham to Isaac, now to Jacob, it begins to expand to others. Well, Esau was supposed to receive that blessing, and through a complex family dynamic, it was messed up. Esau comes in and says, bless me like that. And in Genesis 27, we read their interaction. Esau pleading, how do you have only one blessing? Oh, Father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept, and finally his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth, away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. All right, two very different blessings that don't necessarily sound that way. But what I want you to see in this is some basic ideas that might free you from thinking this is too complex. The first is it's prayer, it's not persuasion. Isaac is not trying to convince Jacob or Esau this is their future. He is simply praying what God wants them to hear about their future. That's all he's doing. And so as you interact with someone, they may come to you with excitement about their future like Jacob and hope, hope that there could be something great in the future, wanting direction, wanting to receive that. Or they may come to you complaining about their workplace, discussing the difficulties in their marriage, the challenge of their singleness. In those settings, you are not to persuade them that everything is going to be okay. You don't have to do that. But what you can do is you can listen, and you can say, can I pray for you? And then try to simply listen to what God may have to say through your prayers. And you're just simply praying for them, asking God to bring his plans and his words into their life so they can trust in it and learn from it. But the second thing is it's very personal to them, not projection of what you think. One of the interesting things about each of these blessing stories is they talk about Isaac having his eyes dimmed. Joseph having his eyes dimmed, meaning that he can't use his eyes to see the other individual and allow for his personal bias to guide his blessing on the other person. But he's trying to remove the filter of his bias and his ideas of someone else's life and only try to invoke God's blessings, not his ideas. And each of those are very unique. To Jacob, he's proclaiming him to the, this something that Jacob's going to struggle with his whole life. To believe that God wants to bless him. Jacob will go on and try to deceive and manipulate and lie to try to take on his own. Until finally he wrestles with God and trusts in him to provide for him in the future, even though he's received these blessings. But he needed to hear that so he could hear a promise that he could hold on to. And the struggle is always to hold on to the promise when you're not fully seeing it realized. But what Esau needed to see is that his struggle was based on some of his own decisions. See, he says, When you break free from his yoke... See, Esau had bound himself to Jacob, bound himself to someone else, allowing for Jacob's interaction with him to define how he lives and what he receives from God. Just like you and I often let someone else influence how we think about ourselves, or someone else influence how we live every day. But Esau needed to hear God say to him, when you finally break free from his yoke, you will be free. Now, as the story unfolds, we see that come to a fruition after they separate and then come back together, that Esau is no longer chasing his brother or worried about him, but simply wants to love his brother. And Jacob finally gets to walk free of manipulation and lying, but walk as someone who wrestles in trust with God. See, it's personal to each person. And too often we kind of proclaim generic ideas to other people. Or we look for influencers on social media or YouTube to proclaim these very generic ideas because we have not allowed ourselves to be personally intimate involved with people who could proclaim truth into our real lives. And that's the third basic principle is all you're simply doing is bringing God's truth into their real everyday life. This for me is very personally freeing. I do have the privilege as a pastor to have people to come to me and share their struggles and they're sharing their problems. And I could allow that to overwhelm me or I could allow it to kind of put trust in my own ideas and my own ways of thinking to try to solve problems for them. But one of my greatest privileges when I've been able to pray for you here in person or pray for you over Zoom is to be able to sit and go, God, show me what you want to say to them. All I want to be is a conduit of the truth of God. I don't have the solutions, but God knows you so intimately. And so I want the Spirit of God that's in you and in me to communicate. And so I want to allow for my ideas to fade and for the Spirit to speak through to me. And there's been times where I've prayed for some of you in the middle of depression. And God's brought things to my mind that don't make sense to me in my mind. But if I just pray for them, I've watched as the Spirit has communicated to you. It wasn't me. It was God's Spirit saying to you something so special and significant that it granted freedom because it was God and not my idea. This is why I go to the Scriptures, not just so I can have a daily quiet time and prove to you I have some spiritual character, but it's that I can be filled with God's truth so that it can be a tool that I use in every setting for my personal life, but I can set myself up as someone who's confident and comfortable with the truth, To wield it well in every situation. See, these are basics that we get to learn. We get to learn how to pray by just talking with God like we would anyone else. And then we just pray His words into someone else's life. These are basics that we get to participate in. And in that sense, I want to remind you that this is what you have been sent to do. You have been sent to be a blessing. This has always been the case. In Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, the foundation of our faith is rooted in these three verses. It says, "'The Lord said to Abraham, "'Leave your native country, "'your relatives and your father's family, "'and go to the land that I will show you. "'Leave your understanding of what your life should be based on "'and base it solely on God and follow him. "'I will make you into a great nation. "'I will bless you and make you famous, "'and you will be a blessing to others.'" I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. See, that is God's intent, is to use you and I, sending us out from what we're comfortable with and what we're confident in, to carry his blessings to every person we interact with in every moment that we invade. And in that vein, I want you to see that you've been sent to do that. And I'm using SENT as an acronym because I couldn't get around it. God said, just use SENT. I'm like, it's cheesy. I hate it. Don't make me use an acronym. He's like, use an acronym. I do it in the Psalms. Use an acronym. Because you and I are SENT people. We're not just gathered people. We are SENT out. Starting with the S, it is start with those closest to you. Begin with those closest to you. Listen to God for those you love most. See, you see the scope of their blessing change just in those three verses. It starts with the family, Isaac to his sons, Jacob and Esau. And this is what God intended, that we would have these healthy families that bless from father and mother to son and daughter. But now we are the family of God. And so we are sent as a family. But then with Jacob, you see that he is blessing his grandchildren. And so it is a generational blessing that God wants to see take on. And then with Joseph, we see that he blesses the entire people of God. So this scope expands, but it starts with those closest. So think of your closest family that you love the most. How do you listen to God for what he thinks of them, what he wants them to know, what he loves about them? You know, I've been thinking about the fact that even in our society, we tend to wait for weddings and funerals to proclaim what we love about people most, to proclaim about how God has designed them uniquely and how their impact on our lives will be felt going into the future. God says we don't have to wait for weddings and funerals. I can speak daily through you to those you love most, my plans and my words for their good. Start with those closest, but then expand and expand first to God's people. We are a family of faith, and one of the things that I miss the most is my community group eating together a meal so that we can just hear stories of God's faith. And then we can share around a group what we're seeing God speak to us in the truth that we're exploring. And then just to hear the testimonies and then hear somebody else in the room go, I needed to hear that because I'm struggling with something that you're having victory in. Expand to God's people. Do not give up on meeting together, even over Zoom, <laughs> however long it takes to where, where we can be, get back in those intimate settings to speak life and truth to each other. And we'll be online for group community forever. But we have the ability to listen to God for the good of the family of faith. The third, the N, is to never curse. To never curse others. See, this is where blessing continues to expand even to our enemies. And this is where it gets really, really challenging. Because in Romans, Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Peter picks up that same idea it says if you want to live long life don't curse anyone but bless in their faith because it is God it is God who will do what he wants with those individuals If we're ever gonna love our enemies, we must practice verbally speaking well of our enemies, verbally proclaiming to others not the the gossip that we hear about them, not what we wish would happen to them when they hurt us, but what we wish God might do in their lives to bless them and change them. And we are in a society that demands for you to make a judgment and accuse and convict without ever really loving. But we as the people can be unique. We as the people of God can carry a new reputation, not one of judgment or condemnation, but one that blesses all that we interact with. And the last is simply to tell God's truth, not just try to tell them a good story. We're not just trying to make them feel better with flowery language. We want them to know what is true about God for their lives. And if we need to speak truth like Isaac does to Esau, to say, yes, your life has been hard, and it might continue to be hard, but there is some responsibility that you have in this, to be able to respond to what God asks of you, or if we just get to speak of triumphs for their future. See, in this, this, I just want to free you. It is hard to just proclaim God's truth, especially when it feels negative, And I want you to be careful in it because it can be really harmful if you're proclaiming that as God's truth. That's why the other parts of start with the closest and start with those that you love and know is you're building through this practice a greater ability to leverage your privilege in love, not just an accomplishment. If God reveals to you something challenging and difficult, I just want to encourage you to pause and go, how do you want me to say this in a way that they hear your voice? And not mine. See, we carry with us the transcendent truth of God. It is not not our truth or your truth for the moment. It is the eternal truth for all moments. And so we carry with us life and peace in the words of God. And we cannot be afraid of how the others will receive it. See, you have been a people that blesses in tremendous ways. And now God is saying, in that strength, grow your weakness, that you would become a bold people that walk with the bold truth of God, invoking his plans and his words into the life of others. So who has God called you to bless this week? Who has he sent you to this week? Take a step back now and listen. And some of you that lack comfortability and confidence in that, you need to go into our prayer room in a moment to let the devil be cast away from you that tries to eliminate the confidence you have and the ability and the authority that only comes by your faith so that you will walk in the full power of God. Your ability by the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to speak through you life, peace, joy, and future the blessings that he wants for their lives. Church, we are a people that bless. And we carry with us a faith that blesses all. Let's pray. Father, it is in humility, it is in humility that we choose to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and this privilege as your people to walk in this power to bless. Forgive us for how we have used this power not to bless but to curse. Release from others the words that we've spoken in the negative and restore to us confidence that you can speak life and truth into others. We choose to walk in your power to bless and we choose to practice this as a believer in your truth, amen.